Most of the types in Pokemon are pretty straightforward. You've got fundamental elements like fire and water, or things that define the core characteristics or category of a Pokemon like bug, ghost, or dragon. But then there's an outlier, a more nebulous type that I've never really been able to wrap my head around. That type is the dark type. It's pretty unclear what the word dark means here. Is it darkness as in the absence of light? Is it evil? Is it just the color black? Who knows, man? Admittedly, despite its overwhelming popularity, I've never spent much time with the dark type, and that could be part of my problem. So I figured a good first step to get a better understanding of this type and its place in the game would be to do a playthrough. And so I decided to see if I could beat Pokemon Y with hardcore Nuzlocke rules using only dark types. If you aren't familiar with what a hardcore Nuzlocke is, basically it's a self-imposed rule set for playing through a Pokemon game that makes the game much more challenging. I'm not going to go too far into it, but the specific rules are on the screen now and down in the description if you want to dive into them. Anyway, with that out of the way, let's get into our journey through the Kalos region. We kick off our run in the usual way in our childhood home where we meet our mom and our friends. Our friends tell us to meet them in the town square, which is more than a few feet from our front door. So we decide to take our trusty steed to adventure Rhyhorn. Yeah. All right, never mind. Guess we're walking today. We meet our friends in the city center and get a chance to select our starter. If you know anything about the starters in this game, the choice will be obvious to you. But if you don't, we go with the water type Froakie since its final evolution Greninja is a water dark type. We also get a letter from Professor Sycamore, which we give to our mom. Ooh, a love letter from Professor Sycamore? I don't know who this guy thinks he is. With a deep indignant rage in our heart, we set off to have a word with this Sycamore character. We mob deep through the Santaloon forest until we arrive at Santaloon City, the location of the first first gym. Since there are no actual dark types available before the first gym, we have to take this one on using Froakie. The gym leader Viola specializes in bug types and is in my opinion one of the hardest fights in this game, especially when you only have one Pokemon. But honestly, it's been a little bit since I played this generation, so I headed right into the fight without much prep. And then this happened. Stubborn as always, we ran that same strategy back more times than we should have. Finally, we had had enough, and on the next attempt, we took to super training to buff up Froakie's attack and special attack enough to the point where we're able to take out the Surskit with three quick attacks while taking minimal damage. And then we're able to outlast her Ace Vivillon and take it out with the Bubble even through a heal from Viola. With the gym out of the way, we make our way to Lumio City, where we finally get a chance to confront Professor Sycamore and let him know that our mom is off limits. In a frenzied rage, he challenges us to a Pokemon battle and gets completely dunked on. Then we head out of town victorious. With the Professor taken care of, we can continue on our quest in peace and on the next route, we can find another catch. Here we can either get a Pancham or a Scrap but Scraggy's pretty rare, so we end up with a Pancham. We catch it and nickname it Paul. Next, we arrive at this big sleepy roadblock, so we head into the Parfum Palace to find something to help us get it out of the way. Ah yes, the most noble of Pokemon, Sir Palpitoad. We do some stuff in the castle and we're rewarded with a Poke Flute. With the Poke Flute secured, we can wake the boy up, then head to Route 8 where we can get access to an actual dark type. Here you can catch either an Absol or an Inke, but turns out I was looking in the wrong patch of grass where Absol is way more rare, so we end up finding an Inke. This is kind of a bummer because this is the only place you can find Absol and Inke is available later, but not too terrible. We catch this thing and nickname it Blinky. To add insult to injury, it has the ability suction cups instead of contrary, which kind of just defeats the whole purpose of this Pokemon, but whatever. From here, we head to Route 9, where we make Rhyhorn back that thing up until we come across a sand dial, which we catch and nickname Caleb. After all of that, we arrive at Sillage City, which is the location of the next gym. But before we head in to challenge the gym leader, we head north to Route 10, where we catch an Eevee, which we nickname Brian. We max out its friendship and evolve it into an Umbreon. Now, finally, we're ready to take on Grant and his rock types. We lead with Umbreon against his lead, Amora. Umbreon bites for rock tombs and takedowns until we're finally able to take it out. 
we do end up pretty low and paralyzed. So when he sends in his ace tyrant, we swap to Sandile, which will hit it super effectively and lowers Tyrant's attack with an intimidate on the switch. Over the next few turns, we're able to take this thing out with a couple bulldozes. With Grant defeated, we head north to Route 10. As we're working our way through the route, Caleb evolves into a Crocorock. After that, we arrive at Geosenge Town, where we have a surprisingly easy fight with Corinna and her two Lucarios. I was pretty worried about this one, but it ended up being a non-issue. From here, we arrive at Route 11, where we catch a Stunky and we nickname it Samuel. Then we carefully head through the Reflection Cave, making sure to not randomly lose any Pokemon to the trainers in here. And as we're reaching the end of the cave, we come across a Sableye, which we catch and nickname Leonard. At this point, we arrive at Shallow City. We head straight into the Tower of Mastery, have a quick meet up with our friends, and then finally challenge the next gym. So this gym has some quirks. Other than only being accessible via Rollerblade, its main quirk is that pretty much every trainer you fight in here is stronger than the gym leader herself. And I always forget about that when doing runs of this game. So I was mindlessly making my way through when this happened. RIP Samuel, I'm sorry I was watching something else with speed up on and carelessly let you get murked. Anyway, we beat the rest of the demon trainers and then finally challenge Karina and her fighting types. Just before we head into the fight though, we managed to level up Pancham enough to evolve it into a Pangoro. This fight is pretty easy since only one of her Pokemon can hit Sableye, so we lead with him against her Mindfill. After a fake out and whiffing a power up punch on the next turn, Karina realizes that she's made a horrible mistake and swaps out Mindfu for Machoke. We proceed to take this thing out with some Shadow Claws, managing to only take one Rock Tomb in the process. With the Machoke defeated, we take out our Mindfu with some more Shadow Claws, then her Halucha comes in and hones its claws as much as it can as it gets taken out by, you guessed it, more Shadow Claws. From here, we head back to the Tower of Mastery, refuse a free Lucario, aww, then continue on our way. On the next route, we grab a free Lapras to use as our Surf Queen, Ride a skiddo, yeah. Grab the leftovers and finally evolve NK into a Malamar. Then we head into Kumarine City, the location of the next gym. But before we head into the gym, we have a relatively quick fight with our rival out front. There are a ton of these little rival fights in this game and most are not really that notable. So I'm just gonna skip basically all of them. Sorry, Callum. With the way cleared, we complete the presidential fitness test, then challenge the grass type gym leader, Ramon. We lead with Brian the Umbreon against his jump bluff. And we proceed to trade all of our assurance PP for acrobatics as we work our way through both of Ramon's hyper potions. We heal up with the nifty move Moonlight a couple times, then finally finish this thing off with quick attacks. From here, he sends in his ace, Go-Goat, and after hitting it with one quick attack from Umbreon, we realize we do not have the patience to whittle this thing down. So we swap to Pangoro and hit it with a few power-up punches, but then get paranoid about losing our sweet panda boy. So we swap to Malamar, who finishes it off with a couple paybacks. Now he's down to just his last Pokemon, Weeping Bell, which goes down to a couple super effective Psybeams. With the gym leader defeated, we head through the desert of Route 13, defeat Team Flare at the power plant, then return to Lumio City as a hero. In the process, we level up Frank enough for it to evolve into a Greninja, and as a reward for defeating Team Flare and restoring power to the city, we get to participate in Kalos's hottest game show. Our gigantic brain combined with our access to the internet handily completes this quiz with no issues. So we're able to head in and take on the gym leader Clement and his electric types. For this fight, we lead with Pangoro against his Amolga. This might seem silly leading with a fighting type against a flying type, but we went for this because we don't want to let this thing Volt Switch out. Out. We want to take care of it ASAP. So we bait it into using Aerial Ace, which we tank two of and proceed to take it out with two Rock Tombs. From here, he sends in his Magneton, so we swap to Caleb. We hit it with a Dig, which doesn't take it out because of its ability Sturdy. Then we live through a Mirror Shot, which does more damage than we were expecting. And from here, Clement uses a Heal. So we go for Power Up Punch to break the Sturdy, then finish this thing off with a Dig. Now he's down to Jess's Ace Heliolisk, and this thing does carry the move Grass Knot, which is super effective against Krakorok. So we swap to Umbreon. Weirdly, 
it goes for a quick attack instead of a grass knot, followed by a thunderbolt, which immediately paralyzes us. And of course, we get fully paralyzed on the next two turns. After another thunderbolt, we're way too low to stay in. So we swap to Krokorok, who's immune to thunderbolt, which allows us to get an intimidate off on this thing. And then we swap to Blinky, who lives through a thunderbolt, then gets Heliolus down to half HP with a payback. Knowing another thunderbolt is coming, we swap to Krokorok, who's immune, and we know it'll probably go for a quick attack instead of grass knot. So we go for a dig, which is enough to finish this thing off. After defeating the gym, we head out to Route 14, where we have another relatively quick battle with Callum. Then we find our next catch, a Scoryupi, which we catch and nickname Diane. Turns out this thing has the battle armor ability, which is amazing because not having to worry about this Pokemon getting crit is just insane for Nuzlocke. From here, we level this thing up until it evolves into a Drapion. Diane couldn't have been added to the team at a better time because the next gym leader specializes in fairy types, which would destroy everyone else on our current team. But Poison resists fairy for some reason, so we're in the clear. Plus, as I learned in this run, Drapion is just a beast of a Pokemon. Before heading into the fight, we train up Caleb enough for it to evolve into a Crocodile. With all of that done, we head in to take on Valerie and her fairy types. We leave with Crocodile against her Mawile and manage to take this thing out with a single hit of Dig. Next, she sends in her Mr. Mime and thinking it will probably go for a super effective Dazzling Gleam, we instantly swap to Drapion. Interestingly enough, it goes for a Light Screen instead, which allows us to take it out on the following turn without taking any damage with a super effective Poison Jab. Finally, she's down to Jester Ace Sylveon. This thing is a little bit more of a physical wall, so it manages to live a Poison Jab, but not to worry, we survive a Dazzling Gleam, then finish it off on the following turn. After defeating Valerie, we go ahead and save the Ball Factory from Team Flare. Then we carefully make our way through Route 15, making sure to not encounter any Pokemon in the grass because there are three potential Dark types here. In subsequent areas, you can catch two out of these three, and with the Species Clause and the rules, we're able to re-roll any Pokemon that we've already caught. So if we catch two out of the three, we can guarantee that we get the third one as well. So we head to the Lost Hotel, where we find and catch a Ponyard, which we nicknamed Bruce. Then we head to Route 16, where we find and catch a Murkrow, which we nicknamed Henry. And then finally, we double back to Route 15 to catch a Lipart, which we nicknamed Larry. At this point, we have the luxury of options, which is something you really don't usually see in these monotype runs. With our catching spree concluded, we head to Dendamil Town, where we resolve the issues in the Ice Cave. Then we get Mamoswine to back that thing up all the way down Route 17. Right before we head into the next town, we do get another encounter, a Sneasel, which we catch and nickname Warren. Unfortunately, an X and Y, the Razor Claw, is only available in the post game, so we won't be able to evolve it, but it's always good to have a backup for our backups, right? Anyway, we make our way into Anastar City, where we have a quick rival battle, then head into this trippy tower to challenge the gym leader Olympia and her psychic types. You can probably guess how this one went. We lead with Drapion against her lead Sigiglyph, which we manage to outspeed and take out with a couple Night Slashes. Next, she sends in her Slowking, which just barely manages to live through a critical Night Slash and lands a yawn on us. The next turn, Valerie heals, and instead of switching, for some reason, we go for another Night Slash, which leaves Slowking at half health and Drapion asleep. So the next turn, we swap to Paul, who takes out the Slowking with a crunch. Now she's down to Jester Ace Meowstic, who hits us with a fake out followed by a Shadow Ball, but ultimately it goes down to a crunch as well. With Olympia defeated, the evil team leader Lysander announces to the entire world that he's in the process of destroying everything. So naturally, me and my merry band of young friends are the only people who step up to stop him. But before we go take care of that, we level up Brad enough until it evolves into a Bisharp. Then we grab the Good Rod and use it to catch a Carvana on Route 22, which we nicknamed Sammy, then evolve it into a Sharpedo. With Sammy the Shark secured, we head into Lysander's secret lab in Lumio City, where we have the first of three successive very similar battles with the evil man himself. We were overly confident going into this first one since his team is at its weakest, which led to us not really preparing or paying attention and instantly losing Sharpedo to his mindfu. Rip Sammy, we barely knew ye.
Anyway, we defeat the rest of his team without much issue. Then we fight our way through the labs where one of Lysander's henchmen forces us, a 12 year old girl, to push the button that activates the weapon that will cause mass extinction. This is by far the most evil thing that I've ever seen in any game. After absorbing that trauma, we head to the newly destroyed Geosinge town to have our final two showdowns with Lysander. The first battle goes according to plan and we get through it with pretty much no issue. From here we head down into the depths of the lab where we have a bonding moment with our friends. Thank you for coming. Friends should stick together. You take care of things here. I'll protect Shauna. Wait, what? Whatever. Friends are stupid anyway. We single-handedly defeat the grunts, then release the legendary Pokemon Yeveltal. Or is it Yeveltal? Yeveltal? I'm sure you're gonna let me know in the comments. Something cool though? This thing is a dark type, so we catch it with our Master Ball. We won't be using it for this run because it's a little bit too strong, but still cool because it feels like it ties the whole narrative of this run together. With Big Y secured, we have our final showdown with Mecha Lysander, which for some reason takes place on the surface of the sun. We lead with Froakie against his Mind Shell and outspeed it and one-shot it with a super effective acrobatics. Next, he sends in his Pyroar for some reason, which as you would expect, gets taken out in one hit by a Surf. Next is his Honchkrow, who we take out with a few power-up punches in preparation for his last Pokemon, Gyarados. This thing will Mega Evolve and is pretty scary because of that, so we wanted to be prepared, but using power-up punches to take out the Honchkrow leaves us too low, and we don't really want to risk Frank, so we swap to Pangoro, who hangs on through two hits of Thrash and gets big damage with the super effective Sky Uppercut. At this point, Paul is too low to stay in, so we swap to Blinky, who lives through an Aqua Tail, then lands a Thunderbolt to finish off the Gyarados. After defeating Lysander, he still sets off the weapon, which I think just backfires and destroys itself for some reason. I don't really know. I watched everything and read all the dialogue, and I don't think what happens here is really discussed, but whatever. Now we're free to continue our quest to become the champion of Kalos. So we head to Route 18, where we find and catch the main reason why I even wanted to do this run, Pupitar, which we nicknamed Terry. Then we evolve it into a Tyranitar, and with Terry the Tyranitar ready for action, we head to the next town. And here we hand down another smackdown to the prof, just to make sure that he stays away from our mom. Then we make our way to the final town, Snowbell City. But on the way there, we're forced to have a showdown with all the secondary characters of the story. First up is our friend Shauna. She leads with Delcaddy and we lead with Tyranitar. Turns out her Delcaddy knows the fairy move play rough, but thankfully Tyranitar is enough of a tank to live it and takes this thing out with a single brick break. Next up she sends in her Gudra, who hits us with a super effective earthquake, then manages to live through a crunch. Not wanting to take a chance here, we swap in Crocodile, who lives through an earthquake, then finishes this thing off with an earthquake of its own on the following turn. From here she sends in her Ace Delphox, which we outspeed and one shot with another earthquake. Right after defeating Shauna, Tyrno sees an opportunity with us slightly weakened, and so he challenges us. He leads with his Talonflame against our Tyranitar, and turns out we don't have any rock moves on Terry at the moment, so we trade two acrobatics for two crunches and take it out. Next up is his Roserade, who only knows Petal Dance, so we swap to Malamar, who takes too much damage on the first turn, so ultimately we swap in Diane, who's able to take it out with a couple crunches. Finally, he sends it as Crawdaunt, who lives through a Brick Break and gets off a very scary Swords Dance. The next turn, it lives through our X Scissor, then almost K. Diane with a crab hammer. Luckily, we hold on and we're able to clean it up on the following turn. After seeing what happened to his friend Tierno, our tiny friend Trevor wants a piece too. He leads with Raichu against our Tyranitar and we tank a Thunderbolt, which of course instantly paralyzes us, but we're able to finish it through the paralysis with an earthquake. Next up, he sends in his Florgus, who is a fairy type, making it a pretty huge threat. We swap to Drapion, who tanks a Moonblast, then we hit it with a poison jab, which it just barely lives. Thankfully, it ends up poisoned and on the next turn, it goes for a Confide instead 
a Moonblast, so it just goes down to the Poison Chip at the end of the turn. And Diane lives to fight another day. With everyone defeated, we head into Snowball City. And after retrieving the Gym Leader from the Pokemon Village, we get another catch, a Zoroark, which we catch and nickname Zane. From here, we head into the gym to take on Wolfric and his ice types, but as we're fighting our way through, tragedy strikes again, and we end up losing Caleb to a random trainer's Mamoswine. This game might be the hardest for me to Nuzlocke because it just lulls me into a false sense of security, then instantly punishes me. We make it through the rest of the gym without issue, then finally get to challenge Wolfric. Thankfully, this fight is pretty straightforward. Tyranitar is able to outspeed his Abomasnow and take it out with a four times effective flamethrower. Next up is his Cryogonal, who hits us with a super effective flash cannon, then takes very minimal damage from our flamethrower. So we swap in Brad who lives a flash cannon then gets confused and hits itself a bunch until it snaps out of the confusion and one shots this thing with an iron head. Finally he sends in his ace Avalug and we swap back to Tyranitar who trades a few flamethrowers for avalanches and ultimately takes his coffee table out. With all eight gym badges secured we can head into victory road where we can find our last catch of the run as Vilas which we catch and nickname Harry then we train it up enough to evolve it into a hydragon and this rounds out the whole really insane team thing we've got going on. We move on and just as we're about to exit Victory Road, we have our last showdown with Callum in his final form. And this fight does give us a really good chance to show off Harry. So we lead with him against Callum's Meowstic and we take it out with a Dark Pulse after taking a fake out on the first turn. Next up he sends in his Altaria who does no Dazzling Gleam which hits Hydreigon for four times effective damage. So we swap in Drapion who tanks it. We trade a few Poison Jabs for some Dragon Pulses and ultimately we finish this thing off. Next up is his Vaporeon who gets big damage on Diane with the Muddy Water, so we swap to Greninja, who hits it with a couple acrobatics to take it out. This baits him to send in his ace chestnut, who gets demolished by a four times effective acrobatics from Frank. Now he's down to just his Absol, who gets a sword stance off but goes down to two surfs. With Calm defeated, all that's left to do is take on the Elite Four. In this game, you can challenge the members in any order, and since she trash-talked us on the way in, we take on Malva, the Fire-type trainer, first. We lead with Greninja against her Pyroar, and the first turn, we take it out with a Surf. From here, she sends in her Ace Talonflame, who outspeeds us and gets a lot of damage with a Brave Bird, but it goes down to a Surf right after. Next is her Torkoal, who definitely is not a Sea Turtle, so it gets washed away. And finally, her Chandelure gets the Fire Hose treatment as well. Next, we have in to take on Wickstrom, the steel type trainer. His lead Klefki is a little concerning because it is part fairy, so we leave with Drapion. We take a little bit of damage from Dazzling Gleam on the first turn, but we do outspeed it, so it goes down to two earthquakes while only getting one hit on us. Next up is his Probopass, who does have Sturdy, so it ends up living through a critical earthquake and hitting us with a super effective earth power. No worries though, Drapion is an absolute beast, so it lives and takes it out over the next few turns as Wickstrom uses all his heals. Now he sends in his ace Aegis slash, which is a bit of a problem. The first turn we get our attack lowered by attacking into its king shield, then hit a crunch on it, which does a pitiful amount of damage. Luckily, we live through its iron head, but Drapion is too low to stay in, so we swap to Harry, who lives in iron head, then outspeeds it to finish it off with a flamethrower on the next turn. Finally, he's down to just his Scizor, who gets demolished by a four times effective flamethrower. That's two down, two to go. Next up, we take on Drasna, the dragon type trainer. We leave with Tyranitar against her Draggle G. The first turn, it survives a crunch, so we have to take a super effective surf to the face, but you already know Tyranitar is a beast, so it survives no problem. On the next turn, we finish it off with a second crunch, and then she sends in her Dredagon, who does have the move Revenge, which hits Tyranitar four times effectively, so we make a quick swap out of there and bring in Diane. The Revenge doesn't do too 
too much to our special girl, and so on the next turn we hit it with a poison jab, then it swaps us out with a dragon tail and brings Tyranitar in again. From here we swap to Blinky, who trades us some Psycho Cuts for Dragon Tails, and finally our ability Suction Cups comes into play, allowing us to not get swapped out by the Dragon Tails. I think this actually ended up being worse for us, but what can you do? We get it down to heal range, then Malamar ends up being too low, so we bring in Bisharp, who gets phased out by Dragon Tail, and Harry comes in, who finally finishes this thing with the Dark Balls. Next up is our Altaria, who does have a fairy type move, so we swap to Terry again. And it proceeds to miss two sings in a row, so we get a free kill with Crunch. Finally, she's down to just erase Noivern, who goes down to a rock slide, plus some chip from the Sandstorm. Now it's time to take on the last trainer, who we definitely haven't been avoiding, Seabolt and his water types. His team is by far the most challenging for us, mainly because of his lead Clawitzer, but also he has a Starmie that runs Dazzling Gleam, and his Gyarados has Dragon Dance, which it does not hesitate to use. After preparing for a while, we head into the battle. We lead with Malamar against his Clawitzer and hit it with a couple Thunderbolts, which gets it into heal range. At this point, Malamar is super low because of all the damage this Clawitzer is able to dish out. Normally, we would make a swap here, but it's extremely important to take this Clawitzer out as fast as possible. And Malamar is our most expendable Pokemon, so we go for one final Thunderbolt, then say goodbye to our friend Blinky. Next, we send in Frank, and Seabold uses a full restore. Now, we hit the Clawitzer with a couple Grass Knots, which leaves it barely alive. Unfortunately, we can't finish it off in time, so we have to tank an Aura Sphere, which does a ridiculous amount of damage, but thankfully it doesn't crit. And finally, we finish this Menace with a final Grass Knot. Next, he sends in his Barbarical, who goes down to a four times effective Grass Knot, and from here, he brings in his Starmie. So we swap to Brad. Brad lives a Dazzling Gleam and a Surf and gets big damage off with a Night Slash, but it isn't quite enough to finish this thing off, so we swap back to Greninja. And Frank tanks a Surf, then outspeeds it to finish it off with a Grass Knot on the following turn. Finally, he's down to just his Menacing Gyarados, and Frank is way too low to stay in, so we swap to Terry. Terry lives through an Earthquake, then on the following turn, Gyarados sets up a Dragon Dance and just barely manages to live through a Rock Slide. Knowing Terry isn't safe, we swap to Hydreigon, who lives through a boosted Waterfall, and the Sandstorm chip damage is just enough to finish it off at the end of the turn. With the Elite Four defeated, we head in to take on the champion Diantha. She leads with Hawlucha, and so we lead with Frank, who outspeeds it and takes it out on the first turn with an Acrobatics. Next, she sends in Gudra, who we hit with an Acrobatics, and it goes for a Thunder, which thankfully misses. And from here, we clean it up with a high roll from Acrobatics on the following turn. Next up is her Aurorus, who barely lives through a super effective Surf and lands a Thunder, which of course paralyzes us. We know Diantha is going to heal here, so we go for another Surf, but we get fully paralyzed and have to switch out on the following turn. We bring in Terry, who takes it out with a super effective Rock Slide, and then she brings in her Tyrantrum. This thing lives through an Earthquake, then lands a critical Head Smash, which does big damage, but the recoil is enough to take it out. From here, Gorgeist comes in, so we swap to Diane, who gets to crunch on a nice squash dinner. And finally, she sends in her Ace Gardevoir, who does Mega Evolve, but we outspeed it and take it out with a single Poison Jab. And just like that, we've conclusively proven that you can in fact beat Pokemon Y using only Dark types. Thanks for watching, till next time.